Lisa Alcoholic. Thank you so much for asking me, Pej. And thank you, all of you guys. What a organized, uh, well put on meeting. I, I, you know, I love Orange County recovery. I um, actually just moved home to Florida from LA and I'm missing California an awful lot. It, there's a real piece of my heart that I left behind. Um, and I'm sure I will get to that why I'm in back in Florida soon. <laughs> so <clears throat> let me begin. Um, I actually, I'm going to start by saying that this is an absolute honor to be here. You know, I, I, I never say no if, if I can possibly speak at a meeting, even on Zoom. Um, at Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous has given me a life worth living. And um, I have a very good friend that said, there's a lot of places I could be, but there's no place that I'd rather be than in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, um, there is the power of God in these meetings, but the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is what I really owe my life to, and that's in this book. Um, and I know I was laughing too when, when someone said in the beginning that, this, that their sponsor never made them read this book. And for the first two years of my sobriety, I did not read the book with a sponsor. So I didn't, and, and there's specific clear cut instructions on how to recover from alcoholism in this book. But I, I, I tried to read it in, in um, treatment when I first went to treatment. And I remember I read it a couple times by myself and, uh, and it put me to sleep. And I remember thinking, how is war fever ran high in a New England town gonna keep me from smoking crack or, or drinking to oblivion? You know, there's no way this is good. This book is gonna make me, help me to stop drinking myself to death. Um, because that was what was happening. Like, and I didn't, I had no idea. Um, I didn't know what I didn't know. You know, I was saying earlier to some people that fish don't know that the water that they're swimming in. And um, what happened for me is I was dry in the rooms for several years or for a couple years. And then I was suicidal. So I had to get with a woman that was armed with the facts about herself. Um, it, it, it means more that she, she not only knew that she couldn't drink in safety, she had had a spiritual experience. So she knew the problem, boom, she couldn't drink in safety, but she had had that spiritual experience. So she had been rearranged and then she had, her hand was put in God's hand. So she was putting other people's hand in God's hand. So like, that's what happened to her. And I, and I had to have that happen to me. Otherwise I was gonna die. Um, so when Pej asked me to speak um, and he said main speaker, I was like, ooh, so that's gonna take a minute. So then I thought about, so what, and it's been a minute since I've actually told my story. Okay. So then I hear podcast and then my ego goes, Ooh, I got to sound really, <laughs> like I got to sound good. Right. So then I start to plan and you know what, and my plans and my ego are just going to make me not sound authentic. Um, 
opposite of what Brittany sounded because she was authentic and real and 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 that was and everything she said was wonderful and I wanted to tell you I really loved your speak so but but the real deal with my story is not how I how I how I drank and, and all the rotten things I did out there and how many people I harmed and 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 and, and you know like the yuckiness of it right and and I loved that that was my badge of honor like I like was proud of the fact that I would show up to give a speech in college with two different shoes on like that was funny to me I was pr I was proud of that I was proud of the fact that like I would get up on a bar and a ceiling fan would knock me in the head off the bar I'd fall into a crowd of people and then the party would be over like that was a, that was cool to me. Um, and then I had like, like I was not invited anyway, anywhere anymore. Like it was, th that was my thing. You know, like I was the town drunk and it was okay to me at the time. Um, because like, if you look at Bill's story, you're looking at the progression of his disease. And that's the story of my life. I first, would just drink to have fun, you know. Um, my little numbers I did with with the palm tree were funny, you know. Like I had this little dance number that I do with a palm tree, and it was fun. I was the party girl, uh, but then I was drinking because I had to drink, and then I was drinking to oblivion. So the per if you'll if you read his story, you're you're reading the progression of his disease, right? So the story of my life is also the progression of my disease. Um, and why do we, why do we hear other people's stories? Why do you guys, or why are you listening to my story? Why do we listen to, to Brittany's story? Because you're not necessarily gonna hear me in my cups. You wanna, you wanna hear the hope, right? Like a clear declaration of how I recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Like how I don't wake up every day and have to drink to be okay. See, alcohol was not my problem, it was my solution. I needed it to feel relief. Um, you know, the book talks about how men and women essentially drink because they like the effect produced by alcohol. See, so it wasn't just fun for me sometimes, and it wasn't even just to drink, uh, to have oblivion or because I needed to not be sick. It was because it was the only solution that I knew. Um, and step one will tell me that I'll go back to that solution every single time unless I have another solution, which for me is God. Um, so program a problem, solution program of action like that's what i had to have to have my life change which in the mix would be that spiritual experience is the solution but i had no idea right like i had 30 years of drinking out there with no idea and that's what my life like it's just wreckage you guys like my whole story is wreckage but there's trauma as a child okay so like if you want me to like go deep into the the kid thing I didn't trust my parents. Uh, I, I was, I had some abuse from my stepbrother. Um, I was jealous of my sister and I was bullied at my school. 
And I also believed that I deserved poor treatment from every other human being in, uh, on planet earth, men and women. So there was a self-esteem issue too. So I did, and then there was some self-loathing in there. So that's a whole, you can mix all that stuff up. And that's a whole like SHIT show of not a happiness, uh, a, a not a happy girl, right? Um, but here's another piece. That isn't why I'm an alcoholic. That's a trick, right? The reason I'm an alcoholic is because once I put something in my system, I give up the power of choice and control, you know, which is another thing I didn't realize. Like I have a disease of the body. That's that body piece, right? That's the physical allergy. So I put, and it's got a funny name. It's called a phenomenon of craving. Um, abnormal reaction. Like if I had a peanut allergy, I would probably break out in a rash. So I... I have a couple of first step experiences, but the one that came to me today was I had a job in the, I was a sales person for um, food, right? So I would go and drink with these chefs all day long. And I thought it was cute to do that. And then I remember saying, I'm only going to have two. And I didn't realize that my boss had a tracker on my car. And I thought it was also funny that I'm going to the payphone the next day and telling them I'm at my accounts, you know, but, it, and, but I did that hundreds of times, you know, like took mom and dad to the outback, you know, they're in their eighties. And I said, I promise I'll drive you home. And after one glass of wine, I'm, I'm calling the cab and how they get home is up to them. You know what I mean? Like I have to go and do what I have to do because once it's in my system, uh, I, I don't have a choice in the amount in which I take, you know, and it goes back to what the book, can't he just stop? Can't she just stop? You know, I couldn't, um, and, um, you know, and, and there's a part in this, there's a part in Bill's story that I was reading earlier. Um, I, I, you know, and I'm wondering if I should read it. And if it doesn't come easy, I'm not gonna go to that part. But um, if I jump around to uh, chapter five, right? Have you guys ever heard of the A, B's and the C's where it says that we were alcoholic and we could not manage our own lives? That's step one, right? That probably no human power could relieve us of our alcoholism. That's step two. That God could and would if he were sought. That's step two. Um, being convinced of step one and step two. So I'm convinced. Now, I don't have to be convinced of that um, just for step one, but I have to be convinced of that if I want a spiritual experience, right? And I need to be sold on the idea that I need to actually really change. My ideas, attitudes, and emotions need to change. Um, 
And that's the journey from freedom to freedom. Um, they talk about that being like, I think that's the cornerstone, right? Like they've got the foundation stones, the cornerstones. Um, and, you know, they're talking about building an archway to freedom. And I have a really good friend that asks sometimes, he's a good speaker, and he says, how free do I want to be? You know, and at the time uh, when I was living this way, um, I didn't realize that that was even an option. You know, um, when I did finally get myself into treatment, um, okay. So what happened for me is, um, I was teaching high school and I, um, it was this, it was my second DUI. I hit a car that hit a tow truck that hit another car. And my first DUI was a five car pileup with a student, um, in, in the rival high school. And I never got found out is what, you know, what happened is, you know, and I mean, I always was felt like I was so grateful that, that I never got found out. And I have a very good friend named Chappie Adams that, um, that came and watched me and I'm jumping around a little bit that watched me get my year chip one time. And he said to me, Lisa, I think I have a, a problem with alcohol. He goes, I've traveled the whole world and I don't remember it. And I said, well, you may want to, uh, now I can't diagnose you, but you may want to think about that you might want to quit drinking. Uh, he got busted that year uh, with cocaine at an airport. His attorney got him off and he and I went. So he, yeah, he, um, he handed me $20 and he hit the tree and, and he died. And I think that the, sometimes the worst thing that can happen to an alcoholic is that we get away with it. You know, my will is so good in so many areas, but when it comes to alcohol, I suffer from lack of power. You know, that is my dilemma is what the book says. So like I can get my jobs back. I can get my life back. I can fix everything in the, you know, fix everything, but it's like, you know, I don't have, I, I don't have the power to fix my life when it comes to alcohol. And then I also, there's a piece. And if I'm going on in this chapter, selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles, um, driven by a hundred forms of fear. Uh, uh, self-seeking, self self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate, sometimes seemingly without provocation. But we inv invariably find that sometime in the past, we have made decisions based on self that have put us in a position to be hurt. That's what I did most of the time. You know, I think about my experience with... Um, with with that with with uh, with my track record you know like even now right uh and then this goes this chapter goes on to talk about the actor 
how the actor tries to run the show. The actor plays God, tries to run the show, tries to be the director, tries to control the ballet. Now, this is a piece that's pretty familiar, right, with a lot of people. But the problem with the actor, y'all, is the actor is supposed to be the actor. And I heard somebody say tonight is, you know, a good actor follows the will of the director. Um, I never followed the will of God. Um, I was always trying to run the show. I have always tried to play God. I have never had the faith that things were going to be okay. And, um, and it's been wonderful for me to blow my life up over and over again. Now, um, and I don't know why, and I think maybe my ego's in the way of this speak too, because it's not, uh, it's not as transparent as Brittany's in my mind. And I think that I just have to take a deep breath and I gotta get real. Um, I think, I feel like my not good enough is showing up. I feel like I'm being too critical of myself. You know, the bottom line is, is that my story is okay. You know, when I, when I met Pej a couple years ago, right? I moved to California. I had all these sponsees in Florida. Um, and I moved to California very, very resting on my laurels and not spiritually fit. Um, I met some people that said, you're 3,000 miles away, Lisa, and you, um, you need to work some steps because you have seven years and you're, and you're, you're in danger. And, you know, that's a very dangerous place for someone with time uh, that's living in ego. And um, we've got two choices, right? Like to, um, I, could, I can go on to the bitter end or I could accept spiritual help. Now, I, I don't necessarily have to accept spiritual help like when I'm drinking, right? Like I talked about in my cups, being convinced. Um, but what about when I had time and I would, and I moved to California and I lost two jobs and I'm down to my last 10 cents three or four times and I'm not spiritually fit and I'm scared and I'm alone and I'm basically doomed again. And there's a piece in the book that talks about the bedevilments and it says, Lisa is full of fear. Lisa is prey to misery and depression. Lisa is of no use to others. Lisa cannot have personal relationships. So what do I do, right? Like one of the reasons I know Pej is because we got in the same circles and the same home groups because I had to get back to basics. I had to go back to work because not only is selfishness and self-centeredness the root of my troubles, not only am I playing God and am I trying to control the ballet and the show and the actors, but I'm not trusting God and I'm not spiritually fit and I'm not trusting anything, and I'm not trusting myself. And I'm a, and and I there's no 
there's no peace and there's no power. See, there's no, the lack of power has overtaken my life in every sense of the word. So there's no power of God flowing in and through me, right? Because what's happening is my resentments, my fear, my, my, all the stuff that's, that, that's deep inside the childhood, like the, so what happens to me, you guys, is I start to get back to basics and I start to write again. I go back through the steps with a sponsor that's armed with the facts about themselves, that's had a spiritual experience, that's changed, that's changed, that's been revamped, reworked, that has the power of God flowing in and through them. Because at that time I didn't. And by the grace of God, I had stayed sober. And, and that didn't bring me relief right away, right? Like the, the writing didn't, it's painful because the pain got great again. Uh, the reading it to someone didn't, but guess what? Little by little, I started to feel like, yeah, I didn't want to die again. You know, like those bedevilments weren't so active in my life. I didn't feel so restless, irritable, and discontent again. I started to not be in self. I started to think about others. So that self-centeredness that was so profound started to shift again. And I started to think about others. Self, other, other-centeredness. And then again, living in 10, 11, and 12 was keeping my house clean that day right? Why? Why did I have to do that? Because I was blocked. I couldn't feel God. I couldn't see God. And it wasn't because he wasn't there. It was because I was blocked from God. So that's what I needed to do. I had to get back down to causes and conditions so I could be useful to God's kids. My primary purpose, the reason I am alive is to be useful to, to God's kids, to the people about me. And I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know that. Like, how did I not know that? So then my dad dies, right? My dad dies right after I finished this amazing workshop and I meet this pe these people and I have the, this great job and my family around me, then my dad dies. But the beautiful part of that is I had made the amends I needed to make. And there's freedom around that. There, the, I had a true relationship with my father. There was no anger. I was paying him back. I, I was not in revenge with them. I wasn't trying to stick it to him like I did. I'd let him off the hook for the things that he, that he didn't do for me, the needs he didn't meet for me as a kid, for the fact that he let his son harm me as a little girl at age eight for the fact that I had to testify against his son because he harmed me at age eight and was marched across my private school. Um, I wasn't mad at him anymore. Uh, he did the best he could. I didn't trust him to tell him. I didn't trust my mother. Um, but I, I was able to forgive and do the work in this program, this program, because there's instructions on how to do that, it's clear cut, specific.
specific instructions on how to forgive and how to be free. And I'm so glad about that. I wouldn't be alive if that wasn't the case. So I did, I, I, I got free. And I mean, I'm, I have a relationship with my mom and that's why I'm in Florida. Six months ago, my daddy left this earth and, um, and I knew in my heart, I had to come back to Florida and be here for my mother. So I left a really good job in Los Angeles. Um, I did. One day I just resigned and I said, I have to go home and be here for my mother. One thing I did do is I set up a place to live and I set up a job down here. It was the wrong job. But I trusted God. I trusted God. I keep my house clean and I help others. And I know that he provides. He's always provided. He's always provided, right, Pej? He's always provided. And you know, because I'm, I'm in service, like I come down here, my reason for coming here was not to come to further my career or come because like you guys are in lockdown or, or COVID's happening all over the country. I came here because I knew I needed to be here for my mother. Stick close to him. The third step promises, you know, he is my principal. I am his agent. Like I work for him. I have a boss, he's my boss, right? Um, if I stick close to him and perform his work well, I will always be provided for. And ironically, I got the best job that I've ever had starting in a week. It's like row, row, row my boat gently up the stream or down the stream. Like I was rowing it up the stream. I was trying too hard to stay in California. I was struggling. Um, I was fighting. See, that 10th step, we could cease fighting anything or anyone. Like, I have to surrender. I have to keep surrendering. Sometimes, you guys, I say that third step prayer a hundred times a day because it's not that I take my will back. It's that I, I, I just don't always trust God in everything, right? You know, uh, the principles they talk about are the steps. So I have to continuously be doing it. Like I wake up every single day with restless, irritable, and discontent. I wake up every single day with untreated alcoholism. Um, but if I do wake up to be in service for him, um, it usually works out. You know, um, there are there are challenges, you know, like there's some enmeshment stuff with my mother. There's some boundary stuff that I have to stop that, you know, the, she's been, she was the critical parent, you know, uh, the, the reason I didn't trust women was because of her. So right now, like I'm having to, I'm having to map around that. Um, so, you know what I did the other day? Like uh, my roommate said, there's a, there's an older lady that needs a sponsor that's continuously relapsing. And I know it's gonna bring up, I, like I make a lot of people my mom. I know it's gonna bring all, a lot of that up. And I said, please give her my number because that is how I'm going to, um, you know, that's the foundation stone. 
of this program, right? Like that's gonna be what keeps me useful and in check. Um, I think, you know, everything, everything has a reason. And nobody, there's a piece in the book that says nobody likes the leveling of our pride. No one likes to do inventory. And I'm a real alcoholic. Like I didn't want to go back and um, I didn't want to go back and do all this stuff. Like I'm, it's more comfortable for me to sit in this depression. And when I got home, I thought, why am I here? And I got I, I felt depressed. I felt, I felt, I felt like I failed. I felt like I was stepping backwards. Um, but it all goes back to trusting and relying on God. That's what it is for me. If I trust and rely on God, then I'm always, always going to be useful. Um, I'm just, I'm just a different woman than I was when I walked in here um, nine years ago. You know, Brittany was talking about um, some of her past and I was really moved by it. And, you know, like I identified by my story, but I, I think the most important thing that I can identify with today is that I'm a recovered woman that cares for others. I'm a recovered woman that doesn't really litter anymore. Um, I have integrity. Um, I was on a meeting this morning and it was called Women with Principles. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm a woman with principles. You know, like I used to be like, I used to hook up with 25 year olds and I'm like, I was like 45. You know, like I used to um, lie and like, I thought it was cool to do that kind of stuff because there was no integrity. I didn't walk with God. I didn't. I couldn't look the world in the eye. I didn't have any self-respect, self-esteem. I didn't care for other individuals. All I cared about is like how to cheat the world that screwed me over. You know, like I, I was just like, I was in revenge with the world. I was in revenge with my parents and I just was fine being miserable. And you know what? I was a hope to die alcoholic. I didn't want to live past 30 because I was always so internally unhappy. Like I had that internal condition, right? Like the unmanageability piece for me is what I talked about on, with the bedevilments. It was never my consequences. It was always the unmanageability on the inside. Like I was always spiritually sick. So if I straightened out the physical and the body, then maybe the spiritual piece was, would come later. Um, but, but I know now that um, by doing 
all of it, like I'm a useful, loving, healthy, uh, God-centered woman of integrity. And even though it's not perfect and I, I don't feel like I feel a little blocked tonight and I don't know if the power of God is flowing in and through me. I do hope that at least somebody gets something out of what I said tonight. And that's what really matters. Not that my speak is profound and on fire um, because of course I'm gonna be extremely critical of it. I don't like that I've like had internet issues and I don't like that I've like stopped a bunch, but you know what? It's not even about that. You know what it's about? It's about that maybe one of you, one of you got one thing, one thing. So if you got one thing good out of what I said tonight, raise your hand. Then that's all that matters because it's not really about me. It's about me being useful to someone other than me. And that's why I'm sober. And that's the only reason I'm sober. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me.